You're listening to the Food Freedom Life Podcast. My name is Brittany Allison, and I spent six plus years stuck in diet binge cycles, hating my body, and envying others who seem to have it all because I never felt enough. What I discovered in my journey to food freedom and becoming a registered dietitian is this. You can either live your life at war with your mind or learn to work in sync with it. So if you're ready to learn how to be in tune with yourself and evolve your life, welcome to the show. Before I dive in, I wanted to remind you that if you sign up for my group coaching program before December 15th, you will receive a bonus 60-minute one-on-one session with me. Group coaching is such an amazing space. I cannot speak more highly of it. It provides you with an opportunity to really practice applying intuitive eating in real-life scenarios and to receive feedback from me, your coach, as well as the other members. It equips you with the knowledge and confidence to make lasting changes in your life, and you're going to come away from this experience with the tools and skills you need to make more conscious and in-control choices, develop a healthier relationship with food, have more positive body image and achieve your goals. If you are interested in learning about intuitive eating and how you can make it work in your life, signing up for group coaching is an amazing way to get started. Head over to brittanyallisonrd.com slash group hyphen coaching to learn more and sign up now. Welcome everybody back to the show. Today we have a very special guest with us, Natasha Nagindi. She's a Canadian non-diet nutritionist, Zumba instructor, and entrepreneur. She spent years being tied to diet culture, but she was never able to keep the weight off. And after hitting rock bottom, she finally gained food freedom and learned to truly love herself. Her lived experiences inspired her to help others struggling with the same issues to have food freedom and accept their bodies too. Welcome, Natasha. Hey, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me today. It's so good to have you on the show. And we were just chatting a little bit before and we found out that we actually live really close together, but we never knew that. No, it's it's crazy. It's amazing how small this world is. (laughs) Yeah, such a small world. I love that, though. It's pretty cool that social media can bring us together and we'll meet up in person now and... (laughs) We never would have known that if we hadn't done this interview. So the Food Freedom Life podcast, bringing people together. (laughs) Yes. Just to get started, to give a bit of an introduction for yourself, what made you get into this work with nutrition and fitness? So basically, it all started in my childhood in South Africa. Um, I was always in a chubby body, no matter what, even though I moved a lot and I ate a lot of quote unquote, healthy foods. I was always large. And so I was okay with it at that point because A, I was a kid, I didn't really know better. And B, when I looked at the bodies around me, it seemed like everyone was in a larger body. So it really wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. Flash forward, I come to Canada, I'm growing up and I realize just how intense the Western standards of beauty are and how far away I am from them. And so I started restricting my intake, I started trying to change my body and I really was so down on myself for so many years. And it only got worse and worse until I was at the end of high school and at that point, I had someone that I really, really, really wanted to be with, but this person told me that I would only be good enough if I lost 50 pounds. And so that is what inspired the biggest and worst crash diet and the last diet I ever went on. Um, Yeah, it was 
it was painful. It was really painful. Um, so at that time, I was moving my body every single day, or at least six times a week, twice a day, I would wear this polar heart rate strap around my waist. Oh, I had one of those too. Oh, the worst. The absolute worst. I was so obsessed with burning calories and all of that. Forms of movement that I actually would secretly enjoy at home, like dancing, did not count to me because I thought movement is only supposed to be torture. And I actually did end up losing a lot of weight because of how much I restricted my intake. And people really praised me for it. So I thought that I was on the right track. I was reading all of this advice from nutritionist gurus. And I thought it was, I thought it was accurate and I thought it was healthy. So I really went down this path thinking I was such a good person, which at some point I almost thought I was a better person than other people who didn't care about their health as much, which is a whole toxic other story. Mm. But anyways, so I just got to this point of feeling like I knew enough about nutrition that I wanted to teach other people how to lose weight because that's everyone's number one goal. Um, so then I applied to nutrition and I was thinking, I'm going to change this world. I don't even care if it's healthy or unhealthy. People want to lose weight. I'm going to help them do that. So to be honest, that's actually what brought me to nutrition. But what brought me to intuitive eating is the fact that as I was going through nutrition, the years were going by and my body was only getting larger, which was really embarrassing for me, especially as the only black person in my program, actually. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up going to this dietitian who I had no idea what anti-diet or what intuitive eating meant at the time, but I was just so desperate and I just needed help. I actually thought what I needed was weight loss, but then she introduced me to this side of life and I realized that that's actually what I needed. I needed food freedom <laughs> more than anything. And so I just got so passionate about it that I made my Instagram page because I just wanted to share it with everyone. And then once school was done, I finally just dived into it fully and here I am. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, what a story moving across the world and coming to a place where you're faced with different bodies and just going from accepting yourself and not really thinking too much about it to so much hyper awareness and obsession. I mean, that must have been really challenging. Oh, for sure. It was really hard to navigate, especially being so young. Everything's already so confusing. Absolutely. I mean, just the change from fitting in to all of a sudden feeling like you need to change yourself to fit in when you're already growing up and you're already becoming aware of your body and how it's changing as you go through puberty and all of that. I mean, it just adds this extra layer that mm -hmm. does not need to be there. And it sounds like food and fitness really got tied up just in changing your body and became a tool for doing that versus nourishment and fun and joy and health. Exactly. And so when it came to nutrition, it sounds like when you saw this dietitian, that really started to change your relationship with it, which is amazing. And I'm so glad that you found her. I mean, it's interesting to think about what would have happened if you had never saw her, right? Your whole life trajectory could have been so different, but what started to really change your relationship with fitness going from that place of, oh, this doesn't count to where you are now. 
So if I had to put my finger on it exactly, I had this moment where I was speaking with the dietitian and she was asking me what types of movement I loved as a kid and also what kind of movement I've enjoyed throughout growing up. And so I thought about it and she told me to think outside of the box. And I realized, hey, you know what? I actually really like dancing. I don't know if it counts, but I like it. And so she assured me that yes, it does count. And so I figured, okay, so I guess I'll try some more of that. And I do like group fitness. So I figured, okay, I can go to an easy group fitness class at a gym. That won't feel bad for me. So I went once a week, that became my thing. It didn't feel torturous. It was really fun. I still didn't really believe it counted because of how fun it was. But (laughs) (laughs) as I started going more and more and just naturally adding more days, not to the point of six days a week, twice a day, but it was just so much fun that it became more frequent. And that's when there was a switch in my mind of, oh, okay, so it turns out I'm moving my body more when I'm being less intense about it. I think there's something here. And that's when I really just started to embrace that I don't have to work out on anyone else's terms. I don't have to move my body in ways that don't feel good. Like this is all about me. And so realizing that is what changed my relationship with fitness the most. I love that so much. I mean, not forcing it is so hard for people, right? When you come from this place of exercising to burn calories or as a punishment of what you ate to make up for what you ate or what you drank or whatever over the weekend, Mm -hmm. it becomes so militant. And I mean, I love that question that the dietitian asked you, what kind of movement did you do as a kid? I think that there's so much beauty in digging into that younger version of yourself and just play. Yes. Right. There's a lot of fun that can be found there and a lot of kinds of movement that you don't necessarily give credit to when you're always looking at exercise as a very specific thing. And so when it comes to finding that groove with movement, I heard you say that you started off doing kind of one day a week and you started naturally adding more days as you put less pressure on yourself. In finding a groove with movement, do you recommend that people create a schedule or how would you suggest incorporating it into a busy life without it being punishing? That is a really good question. And I think it honestly comes down to personality because Mm -hmm. I feel like there's some people that really like writing things down and some people that would rather not. Some people love schedules and agendas and all of that. Whereas for some people that just feels really stressful and it would make it feel like a chore or a task that you don't want to get into. So for people that decide to schedule it into their lives, the way I say it is, be flexible with it. So yes, you wrote it down. Yes, you scheduled it in because maybe that's the only time you can do it. 
But then when that moment actually comes, still listen to your body and check in with yourself. Do I actually want to move right now? What would feel good for me right now? And just always have that compassion of, I can do this later. So then having that written down is not something that's going to have power over you in any negative way. Um, and for those that are more type B, like me, you just kind of go with the moment and see whatever happens and you'll find that you'll naturally want to move your body because it's fun. Yeah, I like that idea of kind of scheduling it in because life is so busy and it's hard to maybe fully go with the flow if you're not an entrepreneur like you and I and you're not working for yourself and you don't necessarily have like total freedom over your schedule putting it in to have a little bit of a plan and maybe even mentally prepare yourself for it a bit. But then when you get to the actual time that you've penciled it in for to check in with yourself, to just see how does this feel? Does this feel like something that I want to do or something that I always talk to my clients about too, is exploring that place of indifference as well. If you're kind of like, I could do it or I could not do it. I don't really care either way. Then, you know, maybe let's do something gentle and kind of see how that feels and yeah, just explore that place of indifference. It doesn't always need to be a, a hell yes. Sometimes it can just be like a, yeah, this sounds like it might be okay. I don't really care either way. So let's go for it. And if I hate it, then I can stop. Yes, exactly. I really like that saying a state of indifference. That's one way of putting it. Love yeah. it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I don't know where I came up with that, but <laughs> I find it helpful for kind of the gentle nutrition piece as well as movement too. Just if you don't really care that much, you know, go for it. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think sometimes it can even spill over to other areas of life. Like when you're not putting so much pressure on yourself, you might perform better than you expect. Mm -hmm. Totally. And actually that kind of brings me to another thought too, because exploring this place of indifference that almost, at least from my experience, isn't always the first step. Do you find, or did you find in your own experience or in your client's experience that you needed to take a break from doing really militant, punishing exercise before you could find joyful movement and flow with it? Mm, okay. So my story is unique in the sense that by the time I went to see the dietitian, I had already stopped mm. with and exercise and with yeah. the restrictive dieting because I just yeah. couldn't anymore. I was exhausted. I was depressed more than anything. So mm -hmm. I was not getting into any movement. Yeah. If anything, she helped me reintroduce movement in a safe way. So I really, really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. What I've noticed in my clients that come to me when they're still really deep into like the toxic fitness cycle, one thing I've noticed is that we need to take a break and we do that by, I look at the frequency of how much they're working out. And if they talk about doing it, maybe even more than twice a week, I like just really investigate into why they're moving because sometimes you might find that you're moving for the wrong reasons. So if we identify that they're moving because they are trying to compensate for something that they ate before or something that they want to eat or that they're punishing themselves, then yeah, we completely stop. And at that point, we just explore and try to see a different way of, see, seeing a way of redefining 
movement. And it actually reminds me of a question that you had for me that was asking the difference between exercise and movement. And so I think when I work with them, I really just try to shift their mindset and help them redefine what that looks like for them. Because everyone is just so different. Finding your why is so important, right? The intentions behind moving, behind eating certain things, behind wanting to lose weight, right? Those intentions so often just get mixed up. I think when we first start trying to lose weight in on the surface level, just wanting to be thinner, wanting to look better, wanting to feel better, but deep down it's so much more than that. It's about wanting to be accepted and fit in and belong and be loved. And movement is part of that tool becomes a tool to find that. And that's not what movement is meant to be. Yes. Moving your body can sometimes have an influence on how your body looks, but if that's the sole purpose for wanting to do it, we need to reevaluate. Exactly. Exactly. I just hate how diet culture took movement and really just made it this torturous thing and basically profited off of people's insecurities for how long now it's a multi-billion industry yeah it's it's sad it's really sad because movement is such a beautiful thing but for the people listening what would you say the difference between exercise and movement is could you explain it for them So you might notice that I actually use them quite interchangeably, but I think it's where I'm at in my journey now that I can do that. But in general, I would say that exercise definitely has some negative connotations. We associate it with diet culture and we associate it with toxicity in the sense that it's all about going hard or going home, like no pain, no gain. You're all focused on the calories and everything like that. It's not about having fun. It's just more black and white. That's how I see exercise. Um, Whereas movement is gentle and it's fun and it's all about you. That's how I've always seen it. And it's a way of playing. Like you said, it's reconnecting with yourself and even with your inner child. And I think a lot of us don't really have the opportunity to do that. So it's just an easy and fun way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I kind of use movement and exercise interchangeably now, but I think for so many movement, it, is a bit of a relief to kind of use that and have it be this big all-encompassing umbrella versus exercise that is just super specific. Same with working out. I feel like that kind of falls into the same category as exercise where it's, you know, sweaty and at least 45 minutes or an hour and you have to be tired and exhausted after and maybe you need to take some pre-workout before and it's yeah, it's got a lot of connotations with it. But movement is anything. It's doing chores around the house, it's going for a walk around the block, it's walking to the grocery store, walking through the grocery store. It, it's yoga, right. it's going to the gym, it's zumba, it's anything, right? Yes. And I love looking at it that way. I just feel like it opens a whole new world of movement when you look at it that way, rather than just the rigid exercise like what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Because your your body thanks you for all of it. Your body thanks you for any time you move in any way. Your body likes to move. Our bodies just 
do. And I love relaxing and laying down and, you know, hanging around and watching TV for hours on end, honestly, but you know, our bodies do like to move. And so having a better relationship with movement and being able to do it as a thing that benefits us mentally, but also our bodies physically is such a beautiful place to get to. Yes. Amen to that. (laughs) And something that I wanted to kind of go back to is that heart rate monitor that you used to use and that I also used to use too. Fitbits are super popular now and Apple watches and all of that. What are your thoughts on those? I know it's a tough question. That is another great question. That is so hard, Brittany. That's really hard because I personally have an Apple Watch. So I don't want to be a hypocrite and say, don't get an Apple Watch. Don't have access to tracking anything. Um, So yeah, I don't want to say don't have the object. But what I think is more important is what's your relationship like with this object? Because at the end of the day, it's just an object. Um, So for me, I wear my watch often. Not right now, as you can see, but when I do, I don't focus on obsessing about how many calories I've burned during a workout. I don't even pay attention to any of those metrics because I know that focusing on numbers too much can put me in a bad space. So just knowing myself, I only use it in ways that serve me, in ways that don't make me feel obsessed. Um, And so the other thing is I have been on this journey for so long now that I feel like I can do that. But if I was still starting out, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure how I would navigate it. So I would just suggest to really distance yourself from it and only take what serves you. Yeah, I love that. It's so interesting how behaviors can kind of come full circle, right? Something that you used to do for a very specific intention can, you can eventually come back to it with a completely different intention and it can look and feel and be totally different. And yeah, I think there's nothing inherently wrong with, you know, looking at your steps and tracking them for the day or whatever else it may be, but definitely for people who are fresh out of the diet mentality and trying to learn intuitive eating, it's really hard to keep doing some of those behaviors that are just so enmeshed in the diet mentality, right? You need some time away from it. Kind of like how some people need to take a break, how you kind of took a bit of a break too from movement and came back to it in a way that felt totally different. Exactly. It's crazy how much taking a break and really reevaluating your relationship with movement can make such a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. It's and it's scary, right? It's scary to take that break because there's a lot of what ifs that come up around like, well, what if I gain weight? What if I never come back to it? What if I never exercise ever again? What if I never want to walk ever again? What if I turn into just a couch potato for the rest of my whole entire life? I mean, what would you say to someone who has a lot of those fears and what ifs? For that person, I would challenge their beliefs. So I would say something like, okay, let's say you do gain weight. Is that the worst thing that can possibly happen to you? Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) So getting past that mental block and then 
just the other mental block of what if I never want to move again or what if I just become a permanent couch potato well you know what it's okay to watch a lot of tv and to just sit and do nothing but I assure you you're not going to feel your best if you're always doing that and I think that most humans would probably want to get up and do some form of movement after a while sitting on the couch so I always tell people not to worry about that there's ebbs and flows you'll figure it out don't worry about that I like that mentality of the ebbs and flows because it's so true right you can go through phases with just about anything whether it's movement or foods that you really like or hobbies, whatever, you don't necessarily do something and stick to it forever. And that doesn't mean that you're necessarily in an all or nothing cycle. It's just that there absolutely can be natural ebbs and flows and movement is one of those things. But yeah, our our bodies do naturally want to move. And if we're really tuned into them and listening, we can hear those prompts and hear those cues. And yeah, it can sometimes take a little bit of support to know what to do with that and how to proceed with that. But yeah, you're not going to be locked to the couch for the rest of your life, for sure. Exactly. And I think that's why our work is so important, because the majority of people do look at fitness as exercise and working out and not fun. The people talking about movement, we're just such a tiny percentage, a tiny piece of the population. But it's such an important message to get out because if people want to have healthy and actually sustainable relationships with movement, they need to completely change. But diet culture is just right there and it irritates me. Mm-hmm. Me too. It's so frustrating. And even hearing other people who aren't necessarily in this world talk about exercise and movement sometimes I'm like oh the way you're thinking about this is so toxic right now this hurts me but I'm not gonna be like that person who you know tries to school you right now because that's just not helpful but it's hard it's a hard balance for sure yeah for somebody who's trying to have a better relationship with movement who's maybe surrounded by people in their life who are all really into diet culture and exercise in that way and exercise to lose weight and burn calories. How should that person who's trying to find gentle movement navigate that? I think it depends on the person because, for example, some people don't mind movement by themselves. Mm -hmm. So for that person, I would just say, okay, try to avoid hanging out with those people or avoid talking about fitness with those people because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be triggered. You're on your own path. Just remember your why and, you know, just kind of have your blinders on. But a lot of the times the people that talk the most about this and are so toxic are our loved ones, our friends, our cousins and stuff like that. And maybe you want to be part of their movement. Um, And then in that scenario, I would say that if you really want to, you need to set some boundaries Mm -hmm. in the beginning. So just letting them know, hey, I, I don't like it when we talk about fitness like this it puts me in a bad space personally I've realized that so when we're doing things can we not talk about this and so hopefully they will try to respect you but again there's no guarantees I would say the best thing you can possibly do is immerse yourself in a community of like-minded people 
So you might not have that in person, depending on where you are, but virtually we can do anything these days. So get on Instagram, get on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, whatever people are doing, um, and connect <laughs> with people. See what you like, see what other people are doing, get inspiration from them. And doing it that way is really helpful because those people are influencing you as well. So when you take all of the thoughts and ideas back into your relationships with others, it's less intimidating because you have your own life. Yeah. I love that. Finding a community of like-minded people is such a game changer. Having people who are doing the same thing as you, who have had the same struggles with you and are reaching for the same goals as you. It just helps you not feel so alone. Like you're not this odd duck who is standing alone on this island trying to find food freedom, exercise freedom. And I mean, it's really nice to have other people and you do virtual Zumba classes. Yeah, I do. Yes. I love Zumba. I've definitely referred clients to you. I'm like, this girl, she does Zumba classes online. I don't know if any of them have actually gone through with it, but I've definitely plugged you before. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Why don't we tell people more about that? What are the details of your Zumba classes that you do? Okay, so my Zumba classes are once a week on Sundays for half an hour. And basically, my space is for women to connect and have a place where they can embrace their flaws and know that no one is watching the way they move their bodies, where they can just enjoy the music and have fun. So that's really the central focus of my class. Mm -hmm. And the music that I play is a mix of Afro and Caribbean music, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's what I'm all about. And I just love sharing that with other people. Yeah, I would say that's the essence of my Zumba class. Yeah, I think that's so great. And it sounds like such a fun class. I love that it's 30 minutes. Like it's not this huge, scary commitment. It's not an hour long thing for people to show up to. And just knowing, I think that everybody there is in the same mentality as you, that everybody is just there to have fun. Nobody is there for the wrong intentions. Everyone just wants to enjoy themselves and shake the body a little bit. Exactly. No one is there to judge others because we know that's super lame. Yes, it is. It is for sure. (laughs) And do people typically have their cameras on, off? What's the kind of vibe there? It's a mixture. And Mm -hmm. I've also realized that I think it depends on the week because there's some people that usually have their cameras on, but then some weeks they turn it off. I don't ask why, because there can be so many reasons and it's none of my business. I'm just happy that they came to the class. Um, There's some people who I never get to see their face, but I'm just so happy that they got to my class and that they had fun with everyone else. So it's, It's a good mixture and either or is fine. No judgment. You can just do what you want to do in whatever way feels good for you and just be there to enjoy yourself. I think that's really great. Super cool. And where can people sign up for this Zumba class? Um, If you check out my Instagram page and just send me a DM, I will give all the details. Cool. Yeah. I used to do Zumba when I was in my first degree, we would do it at at like the university gym. They had Zumba classes. And I I just loved Zumba because it was always such a mix of people. There was 
young people, old people, men, women. There were people who were really good at dancing, people who were clearly beginners at dancing. And it was just a whole mosaic of people. And it was just low stress, no judgment, just a fun thing to do. And every time I've done Zumba since then, it's always been, even if it's in different locations, it's always been a very similar vibe. And so I feel like Zumba is just a really fun thing. And I I love that you do that for people virtually. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, when I look back at it, I think, of course, if I'm getting into movement, this is the one (laughs) thing that I decided to be an instructor for, because I just love Zumba's values just in general. Mm -hmm. I didn't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be supporting my enjoyable movement or food freedom aspect of my life. But then when I actually did the training, they really just focused on make this a dance party. This is not going to be like those other classes where (laughs) you're forcing people to work harder or whatever. Just tell people this is a party. It's a celebration. It's not a performance. And I was just amazed. Yeah. I was learning about this from a place outside of our work. So I really love Zumba and I recommend it for anyone who would like to try. Yeah. Well, everyone listening, you should definitely go sign up for Tasha's class and join her on Sundays because sounds like a real party. (laughs) (laughs) And where else can people find you if they're looking for you? Apart from Instagram at The Thick Nutritionist, I also have my website, which is thethicknutritionist.com. And you can find more details about one-on-one coaching, my merchandise that I sell, and my new body image workbook. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Well, everyone should definitely go check out Tash. Thank you so much for being on the show. I had a really great time chatting with you, and I hope that you did as well. I really did. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. See ya.